1: Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and with me this week, making his Canon Cast debut, is Berkus Circus. Welcome. Oh, welcome. How are you doing? I'm great. It is great to have you here. Um, we've got a lot to cover. It was another very busy week for the Blue Jackets. Uh, first, They had their first loss of the season. It was in Detroit. It was a 4-1 loss. Um, Kind of a weird case where the score was both more lopsided than the game was, but also the game was not as close as the score indicated for most of the time. Uh, It was scoreless for the first two periods. Detroit went up 2-0. The Jackets got a goal back, and then Detroit got two empty net goals. Um, It was Corpy's debut of the season, and I thought he was outstanding. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, Corpy looked – I only got to see the
0: third live. I was hanging with some friends. But in the third period, he looked pretty good. None of the – obviously the last two goals weren't his fault because he wasn't on the ice. But
1: the first two goals I couldn't really blame him for. Right. I mean – He had 41 saves. I think when the goalie gets 40-plus saves – you cannot pin the loss on him. That's He's yeah. doing everything he can back there.
0: Mm-hmm. Fully um, agree.
1: Yeah, and I think that was a... Yeah, the Jackets were not playing well defensively, and I think it was a bit of a wake-up call to them. You know, feeling high after winning the first two games of the season, and this was a nice reminder of it's not always going to be easy, <laughs> and sometimes you get a game like this where you just get run and here are things you need to work on and improve. And I think it can be sometimes harder to want to improve after a win. Cause feel like, well, Hey, we did enough to win, you know, but here's the case where like you played bad, you lost yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, how are you going to respond to it? Um, the other storyline to come from that game was that Cole Sillinger, our rookie center, barely played <laughs> in the third period. And so there was a lot of, the usual wailing and gnashing of teeth among the Jackets faithful, especially after what we went through with John Tortorella and uh, his high-profile benchings of star players. Was Cole Sillinger benched?
0: Um, do you
1: accept Brad Larson's explanation that it was just kind of a coincidence?
0: Uh, I mean, I didn't really see too much that would cause him to be benched. So... I know I wrote that article that was basically saying, Hey, Cole Cylinder playing in the NHL right now was a terrible idea. <laughs> and I still kinda stand by that. He's doing better than I expected, but still I think he's getting rushed. And I think this is part of that, is that, you know, I feel like we have a tendency as a franchise to not over punish young players and not encourage them to, you know, be themselves and take risks and try to bef- not try do their best to perform at the NHL level. And I honestly think he was, I think if I remember correctly, he played some
1: lately and th- late in the third. Yeah. He got, he got like three seconds at the end of a power play at one point. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I would go with yes. I mean, he, Three seconds in a period ain't just a coincidence at that point. So,
1: yeah. So, my belief is that, uh, is that it was not like you're playing awful, you're stapled to the bench. I accept Larson's argument about there being a lot of special teams shifts because that has been the case in a lot of these games. Um, I feel like the Jackets have been taking too many penalties. And I think sometimes there have been, you know, maybe sometimes it's a case of the refs trying to balance things out. Cause I think the penalties have been pretty even between the Jackets and their opponents, but too many power play shifts. It upsets the, the rotation. And I feel like when there have been extended stretches of five on five play that the Jackets have been rolling four lines and then I think that when they've been rolling four lines, they've generally been playing pretty well. Um, and I think that when there's that the special team shift on either end, it just upsets that a little bit and throws throws them off. And um, I also think, yeah, Cylinder hadn't been playing a great game, and I think it's okay, given that this is a developmental season for him. That you know, if he's not playing great, yeah, it's I, I don't see it as the worst thing to say. Hey, why don't you? take some shifts off and just watch the game a little bit and, and, and learn from that way. On the other hand, I also feel like at some point, even in games that are going poorly, he needs to be in there mm-hmm. so that he can learn how to play through it. Cause even the best players in the league have bad games and they play through it. You know, I think we've seen yeah. part of like Oliver Bjorkstrand's development is that there can be games where he's invisible for the mm-hmm. first 50 minutes and then he scores mm-hmm. two goals in the final 10 minutes and that wins the game. You know, he's learned yeah. how to play through it. So Sillinger is going to have to do that as well. You have to give him those chances. And I think at some point along the line, you know, give him more power play minutes. Give him more penalty kill minutes. You know, throw him out, th- throw him out there in, you know, late game empty net situations because he's going to have to learn how to play in the situations. And I think he's good enough to play in all those situations you know at some point we want him to be able to take all those minutes so you know why not start now so that takes us to thursday where not only did he play big minutes again but he finally got his first career goal (laughs) and that's always very exciting to see right Mm -hmm. especially when it's someone that young it was a good goal it was a great setup by gavrikov um I, I, I feel like Cylinder responded in a great way. Uh, what do you think?
0: Yeah, uh, I think he responded about as well as you can expect from an 18-year-old. Uh, I think I saw that he's the youngest player in the league right now. Yeah. So him being able to just kind of come back off of that and put one in the back of the net is really encouraging. That's probably been actually the main thing that is like, okay, like I wrote that article, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not fully convinced of it. Like, (laughs) sure, uh, I think he's probably one of our four best centers, and I think he kind of proved that with that game of just like, yeah, I'm. He's young, obviously. Mm -hmm. He's the first Blue Jacket ever, I believe. That's younger than me, so that's (laughs) kind of weird. (laughs) But get used to it. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think he bounced back really well. I think the team bounced back really well. Like, the Islanders are projected to win, uh, like, finish top two in the Metro. And they have been starting out hot. But that's also because they're playing their first 13 games on the road. But still, you know, it's going to be, it was, I should say, encouraging to, like, you know, beat a team that high up. And then, Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I thought we, we outplayed them for stretches mm-hmm. of the game, or at least we're hanging with them. Um, yeah. like I felt like they there are a lot of times where they were struggling to get things going in the offensive zone. Um and we were getting a lot of shots off on our own end. Um you mentioned that that Cylinder is one of our four best centers and I feel like that's <laughs> that's probably an understatement. So uh how quickly do you think he will become officially the top line center? Do you think that'll happen by mid-season? Do you think it'll happen at all this season? What's your What's your gut tell you?
0: My gut tells me that just kind of by default, especially mm-hmm. now with Domi injured again, he'll work his way. He he'll deserve to have been the number one center, probably by sometime in like late November, early December. Sure. However, we are the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we are addicted to Boone Jenner at center. So, when he actually takes over the role, I think is probably sometime next season. Just okay. because I, I I feel like Larson is gonna do Tortorella things and keep Boone Jenner at like center. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I, I like. I thought this in the comments of this Cole Cylinder article. The number one thing I want this season is to be proven wrong. Sure. Like, I think we're going to finish seventh in the division. I think we're going to finish, uh, like, bottom five in the league and still lose the draft lottery. I think that uh, Cole Cylinder will be hindered in his development this year. And I think that it's going to be tough. And I want to be proven wrong. The first three games – well, not – first four games were really encouraging. And I still think there was some stuff in this most recent Carolina game that was really encouraging. But I just can't see him taking 1C at least until 2022, like this calendar year of
1: 2022. Okay, fair enough. Um, The other thing to talk about in the Islanders game, of course, was the overtime winning goal by Patrick Liney. He now has two overtime winners this season. He still does not have a power play goal or a five-on-five five goal, but he does have the overtime winners. Uh, Man, someone's much is, to make
0: a shirt, like, around that theme.
1: Mm, we'll see about that. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, is Line A back? Um,
0: I'm, he is on his way back. Okay. I think he still needs to score, like, a couple power play goals and a couple regulation goals. For me to say, yes, Lyon is back. But like I could see him kinda of being right now I'm just kinda of saying he's where Atkinson was at two years ago. That's kinda of like an overtime specialist. Hmm, okay. But yes, he is on his way back and it's encouraging. And hey, if he keeps this up and scores two game winning goals every five games for the rest of the year, I am A okay with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's a that's a pretty good rate to if you can keep that up for sure. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I still want to see a little bit more in terms of results, but I feel like the the process is there for him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he looks more comfortable out there. I think he's got some confidence. He is, you know, I think he's passing well. He's shooting well. I mean, he he's at least getting shots off. And I think that they will, they'll start to go in more frequently as he, you know, gets more shots it's just it's going to come around so i i think he is definitely definitely on the path there yeah
0: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
1: All right, and then that takes us to our, the final game of the week uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. Um, so it sounds like you are, are not as upset about the loss as you should be given that the final score was 5-1. to one. I mean, am
0: I glad we lost? Absolutely not. <laughs> but, like, there were, I think there were some positives to take from it. Like, three of the Hurricanes' goals were scored on the power play. We gave up six penalties to them. So, yeah, you ain't going to win many of those games. Yep. I think at 5-on-5, five five, uh, we were controlling at times, and we didn't really get super overwhelmed 5-on-5 five five at for more than a, a couple minutes at a time, which, obviously, not great. But kind of similar to the Islanders, the Hurricanes are especially with how the Islanders are doing early, the Hurricanes are far and away the best team in this division right now. Right. So the fact that we were able to hold our own with them for the majority of, not majority, but like a good portion of five on five play, as well as, you know, we were able to knock in one of our own, I think is a good sign. I don't think it was our greatest game. Um, Something that I meant to touch, I guess we can touch on, is the fact that, again, not Corpus Allo's fault, but I think he is 0-2, and Merce Leakins is 3-0. Mm-hmm. I just think this team plays different in front of Corby. But even nonetheless, against... While we were playing the goalie who we play worse in front of, we still were able to hang with Carolina. I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, and I would say actually probably a, a significantly improved performance in front of Corpus Salo as opposed to the Detroit game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, just based on uh, shot attempt percentage, we had 42% of the shots at 5-on-5 five five against Detroit. We had 51% against Carolina in terms mm-hmm. of the shot attempts at 5-on-5. Five five. So, big upgrade. Again, and Carolina is a... Very strong possession team. So to be able to hang with them in that regard, that is a good. That is something positive to be taken from it. The yeah, getting burned that much on the power play, uh, that really really stings. Um, yeah. Which again, we we need to play more disciplined hockey, take mm-hmm. fewer penalties. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about the penalty kill, however, because coming into the game. They had only allowed one goal on 12 chances, and then here they give up three in one game. Um, So I I take that as just a bad game against a good team. Um, I still feel okay about the, the penalty kill going forward. Now, on the positive side, the power play for the Jackets is... Is it fixed now? Because they have five power play goals... In five games, only the Kraken game did they not have a power play goal. So they're on a streak of three, you know, uh, three games in a row with a power play goal. Um, and what, what, all, what, what, the hell? <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, like I, it's early in the season, obviously. Like the Sabers are three and one right now. I don't know how many stats we can really take at this point in the season, but every game we've had a power play chance, we have a power play goal. Like that ain't bad. It sure as hell ain't bad. But, yeah, I don't know if it's fully fixed or just very good signs early. But we're getting very good signs early. Like, I'll take four out of four games that we had a power play, a power play goal. Like, that's pretty good. That's probably the thing I'm most encouraged by right now. Because Arizona ain't doing so hot. Mm -hmm. Detroit and Seattle aren't expected to do so hot, but still like we have been consistently producing on the power play. And we, when was the last time we had three straight games of a power play goal?
1: Well, I I feel like, I feel like even in the last couple of years, there've been some times where we've had that kind of stretch and are like, wait a minute, where's this coming from? And then it went back to its normal bad stuff. So I think you're right that it's early and, and this could go poorly, but I do feel like, the process looks good and not just the results. These are not fluky power play goals. The, they are, yeah. they are passing the puck really well. Mm-hmm. They are not just standing in place on the power play like they did before. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're there's moving around. Like I've noticed power plays where guys aren't in their usual spots, but they make it work. Um, yeah. I think it was in the Islanders game. There's a power play goal where Jake Voracek was running the point and Wierensky was on one of the dots and, they, they made it work. And I think because all the players on there are so talented mm. that they can function in different spots. Um, Cause they're just, they're good passers. They're good shooters. And then we have this unlikely weapon of Boone Jenner, who has three of those five power play goals. Uh, so he, he's in a group with um, David Perron, Chris Kreider, Zach Hyman, and Rick David. Along with Boone Jenner, those are the leaders in power play goals this season. Uh, and and <laughs> That's, in general for that's first, good company. <laughs> well, and how about this company? Um, this is the list of players that are tied for ninth in goals on the season uh, with four. Steven Stamkos, Andrei Svechnikov, Ricard Raquel, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Chris Kreider, Pierre-Luc Dubois, our old friend, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Sam Bennett, Cam Atkinson, another friend, uh, and Boone Jenner. That's that's the company that Boone Jenner is in this year. Uh, so not only is the power play back, but I think Boone Jenner is back. Am I crazy? All he needed was to see, man. That's all he needed. Uh, you know, I, I do kind of wonder if that's part of it. Not that that was like the secret to unlocking him, but I yeah. feel like it looks like he's maybe taken that as motivation Now, it may be that he was going to play it like that regardless just because he's one of the last guys sticking around. He cares about this team. He's motivated to prove that he can get back to a form that he had five years ago. Um, I think he's a guy that he's good when he's playing angry or when he's playing motivated, and I feel like he's got that. That could be a factor on it. Um, Mm -hmm. I also feel like he's been, like when it comes to the power play, like he's put in a position to succeed. Yeah. You know, he's strictly like, park yourself in front of the net and get tippins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And, he, hey, you know, say what you will about Boone Jenner, that is something that he can do very well. I don't think oh, there's yeah. any disputing that, right? Oh, yeah. He, like, that is his role,
0: is what John Tortorella wanted to make Patrick Line is get in front of the net, get your stick on the ice, and get the puck in the net. Like, he grinds down there, he is able to throw his body around, like, the Kraken, one thing I noticed about the Kraken is they are a big team. Like mm. They are massive. Huge. But Jenner was holding his own. And uh, I think, you know, he is, like, he's doing really well. If he continues doing really well, like, previous sarcastic comment about Larsa being addicted to Boone Jenner at center revoked. <laughs> like, seriously, seriously. I didn't realize how well he was doing. I was gonna. I, I, I saw that like Bjorkstrand was briefly like top four in points this season, but uh, I am again a okay if Boone Jenner is potting in three goals, four goals every five games.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or and I think you know if he could be on on track for a fifteen plus goal season, that'd be great. Honestly, that'd be great. And Mm -hmm. he's winning through uh, five games. He's winning sixty four percent of his face offs, which is also great and important, um, especially given the way that he's used. And you know, they need him taking special teams face offs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he's a useful player. Um, You know, I still don't know that I would have given that term to him, but (laughs) I think he's proven that he has more useful years in him than maybe we expected. Um, And and it's great. Honestly, I mean, he's such an easy guy to root for. And, um, you know, I, I can't fault the coaches for relying on him when he is playing as well as he is. Now, if he goes through an extended streak where he's not scoring, he's not setting up his teammates, he's getting buried defensively, and if he's still getting a lot of minutes, then that's going to be a problem. But for now, like, yeah, okay, fine. First first line player, Boone Jenner, because, well, you know, compared to everyone else on the team, he's earning it. Um, now, what, one thing I will say is that uh, against Detroit, he had 25 minutes. That is absurd. Even yeah, when a... Timmy Panarin was here, I didn't want to see him playing 25 minutes in a regular season yeah. game. That is just no. No one should be, no forward should be playing that many minutes in a game like that. I would argue no defenseman should be playing that many. Yeah. yeah the only that's people, fair.
0: the only person who should be playing that many minutes is your starting goalie, <laughs> <laughs> or Connor McDavid. Those are your two options.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think even Edmonton gets some division returns when they have McDavid out there that long. You know, it's just it's too much. Absolutely too much. <laughs> All right, with the time we have left, I wanted to do a quick check-in on Mm -hmm. the other rookies on the team. It's not just Cole Sillinger. Igor Chinnikov made his NHL debut this week against Detroit. He's played three games so far. Uh, He is, even in those three games, he's already shot on goal seven times, which is tied for eighth on the team this year. Uh, What have you thought about Chinnikov so far?
0: Uh, he hasn't looked out of place, which yeah. for a rookie is really good. Like, same with Cole Sillinger. Uh, but yeah, he had a couple of really good opportunities. Um, that especially, there was one, uh, yeah, in the third, third or second period. Oh, no, he was going to the left. So, second period against Seattle, right off of center ice faceoff. He just basically bolted down, got a mini breakaway, and like barely missed. Like, dude, that's a. Fantastic opportunity to be getting in your third NHL game. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time until he buries one. Like, he's basically Russian Patrick Lyonnais (laughs) in the making, and I'm super hyped for him. So,
1: yeah, there was, um, I remember in the Islanders game, he got some power play minutes in the third period of that game, and he had a shot that, I mean, it went into the goalie's pads but you could hear it through the TV. Like it was it was a powerful shot. And um, yeah, he's not afraid to shoot, which I'd love to see. Um, you know, he didn't get a lot of minutes in the Detroit game. I hope that he continues to get more minutes because I think he deserves it. Yeah. And I agree, he does not look out of place at all. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I hate that it took Max Domi getting hurt for him to get his shot in the lineup, but I hope that he continues playing well enough that even when Domi comes back, they can't take him out um, because I don't think he deserves. That. I think he needs to stay around. He needs to get his shots. And I think he can be a great weapon for this team if they use him correctly. Who do you think they take out like right now when Max Domi or Bamstrom returns? <sighs> um, honestly, I think someone who could be on pace for a scratch would be Alex Texier. Yeah, I uh, can see that. Cause he has, he's just been pretty invisible. Um, outside of that goal that he scored in the opening seconds of the season. uh, That's his only point so far. Uh, That was one of only two shots on goal that he has so far this season. Um, You know, he already got dropped from being the first line center. He's not even playing center anymore. Uh, He's not being very effective there. So um, I don't know. I just feel like he has not seized the opportunity that much. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I'd want to see play through it, except that, if there are players that are more deserving of a chance, especially in a top-nine role, then, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to sit. Yeah. And, and I think if you're going merit-based, I think it's got to be him. Okay. Um, the other the other rookie to talk about is Gregory Hoffman. Uh, he got an assist in the Seattle game. Um, he's been part of the fourth line with Eric Robinson and Sean Crowley that I feel like, as far as fourth lines go, is a fine fourth line. What do you think? Um yeah, uh I think Hoffman's
0: been doing uh r- better than I expected. I hadn't really seen or heard I didn't wasn't able to watch much of the preseason. Like I saw enough to be like, hmm, not sure about Schillinger, but I wasn't I was only really paying attention to him and China Cough and a few others. Um but uh with Hoffman, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I kind of just wrote him off going into the year. Like, oh, okay, he'll just be another uh, Lucas Sedlak or whatever mm-hmm. name some random ass fourth liner the no jackets have had the past few years, right? Um, but he's been doing better than I expected. He's fast. He's a lot faster than I was thinking. Um, and he has gotten a couple of chances. So yeah, I'm cool with him sticking. Uh, going back to my question earlier, I think Coralie's is probably the one that goes down, or like gets scratched once. Uh, Domi and or Bemstrom returns, but yeah, I've been really cool with Hoffman. He's I didn't realize we got him from Carolina, so that was kind of satisfying to realize during <laughs> the recap. Yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, I think he's been doing great. Yeah, he's a guy that I because of his age, he's going to be twenty nine in November. That I don't, I don't see him being a long term piece. Obviously, yeah. so I think if he can continues playing like this that he becomes a very useful piece at the trade deadline, um, for some team that's looking for some forward help, because I think he can play higher in the lineup than he is here. Um, and I could see him being the type of player that a playoff team acquires. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, they're in the conference finals and, and he's dropped like five goals or something like that. And it's like, wait, yeah. <laughs> where did this guy come from? You know, and then he can earn himself a nice little, uh, multi-year contract from some other team next summer as a result of that. And in the meantime, we can get maybe a, a mid round pick. And given that we gave a seven round pick to get him up, like, eh, that's, I think that would be a fair swap for us at this point. I, you know, it, it just, we have so many other players coming up that I don't see him sticking around beyond this season. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give him a shot to play. Um, I feel like he's making the most of his, you know, NHL debut. Um, I appreciate that, you know, he was a skilled player in Switzerland, but he's able to slip into that fourth line role and not be out of place, given what they're asking of him there. Um, But you're right. He is fast. I love the structure of that fourth line. Having him and Robinson be so fast on the wing um, makes it so much easier to get the puck out of the zone, which is their job. You know, and I've heard Sean Corral interviewed about that. He said, you know, our job is to, you know, get the buck out of the zone and get an offensive zone face off, you know, knowing that then, a you know, a more skilled line can come out and, and take that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot of potential for that fourth line. I, I don't see Corrali getting scratched because he's, he's one of the few much. people. Well, <laughs> there's that. And, and he's a center. We know he's a center. That's fair. And there's just not a lot of guys on the team that we can say, Oh yeah, that's a center. So uh, he's going to be in there for that reason, if nothing else. Um, again, he's not, um, he's no Riley Nash when it comes to defense, unfortunately, but he's, he's fine. He's here. <laughs> so that's that. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we go? Something I'm going to do every time I'm on a
0: podcast, Burkish Jersey corner. Uh, <laughs> basically, I'm just going to real quick review, review, either a New Jersey to the NHL or a team we played against. And for this one, we're going to do the Kraken away super quick. Um, I like it. I think it would be better if the navy blue was slipped to the upper arm instead so of the lower arm. But I really like the motif the Kraken went for with the quadruple blue and hints of red. So it looks sharp. I wish we had in a way that was that good. But, you know, hopefully that'll come sometime in the next few years. Uh, Logo is a bit big on the front, so shrink that a bit, and you got a pretty
1: good away. So I'll give it three out of five. Okay. I I feel like that one's sort of how I feel about the Vegas jersey set, where I like everything they're doing more on the away jersey than on the home jersey. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I, I guess I, I like, you know, using more than one or two colors, but something about the way they're used on the home jersey with one of the colors being all over as the dominant one. I don't know. I think feel using the multiple colors works better when they're accent colors to a white jersey. I don't know. That that's just my that's my reaction to it. I I don't know if maybe that's just the way that it goes then with the the breezers and the gloves and things like that. But I don't know. I, I just I feel like the away look is a cleaner look for those teams.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, home jerseys, especially when you have like all like helmet, pants, socks, gloves, jersey, all the same color can really kind of end up looking like pajamas or something. Right. But I mean, I also think that the home jersey looks completely badass, like just that s- stupid dark blue within the bright I guess now it is just turning into a double jersey corner. <laughs> but the super dark blue with the bright blue, I think, is fantastic. And then the logo, since it loses the massive outline on the background,
1: becomes super sick on a navy black background. I yeah. love Kraken's logo at the front. Mm. It's, well, it's a tremendous logo. I mean, it's oh, an, yeah. in, an instant all-time logo. Um, and I appreciate that the, the color scheme and the look of it is very Seattle. Yes, You know, you compare it to the Sounders or the Seahawks or the Mariners or or the Storm. Like, it just fits with the other teams. It mm-hmm. has a look that looks like that kind of dreary, gray seaside motif that yeah. the city has. Um, so I think that's really cool. I, I, I was watching the game last night, their home opener. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, great atmosphere in that arena. So um, I'm just – I'm happy – to uh, to have Seattle in the league I think that's just a great addition.
0: Oh yeah. They aside from Quebec City they were the most deserving city out of left and they knocked their jerseys out of the park. Yep. So that one's that one's a 4 away's a 3 but yeah, good luck Seattle, good job. Columbus
1: get better. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, if you have any other thoughts on the Kraken jersey, uh, let us know in the replies on Twitter or the comments at jacketscanon.com. And we will see you next week. Bye. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.